Hockey is so much more than a game. Let's talk about the people around it. Your Locked On Flames, your daily podcast on the Calgary Flames. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of Locked On Flames. As always, I'm your host, Jess Belmosto, joined by my partner in crime, Nick Zeraris. Nick, how are you today? Today sucks, man. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, it should be a good day. Yeah. But unfortunately, we got some, not just us, but uh, the hockey world as a whole received some bad news uh, regarding Chris Snow. And we're going to talk uh, about him and the impact that he's had on the Calgary Flames organization. And of course, we're going to talk about Jacob Pelletier's injury and uh, Backlund's extension. But before we do that, make sure you're subscribed to Locked on Flames wherever you get your podcasts and, of course, on YouTube as well. Uh, and leave a nice little five-star review and just be nice. Wow. I was not expecting any of today. No, and you never are. That That's really the thing when it comes to major life events like that. But you never expect anything. You never know when it's going to come. You just know it's there in the back of your mind. We've known for a long time that mm-hmm. eventually this was going to happen. But you know, we're talking about somebody who was given a year diagnosis to oh. live and had gone three plus years since that diagnosis and was still taking an active role in hockey. Fun. Yeah, still taking an active role in his day-to-day. I mean, a a lot of the stuff I've read today, the quote that got used in pretty much every single one of the profiles and features I read was, I'm not dead yet. I still want to live my life while I'm here. If you aren't aware, um, I'm sure most, if not all of you are, um, Chris Snow went into cardiac arrest and is in a medically induced coma. And his wife, Kelsey, put out a statement saying it's very unlikely he wakes up. So it's a lot. He has two young kids. His He's young. His wife's young. This is just, you know, one of those unfortunate life events that just really, it puts it into perspective, unfortunately. Yeah, man. At the end of the day, we're just talking about hockey. It's, it's just mm-hmm. a game. As much content as gets ch- that gets churned out, as much conversation, as, as much information as there is, at the end of the day, this is entertainment. This is an mm-hmm. entertainment vehicle for people to watch, for advertisers to buy ad space, to get their content, their product in front of viewers. That's how entertainment works. This Life would go on without hockey, without professional sports. But What makes sports so compelling, what pulls us in, is the human element of it. And we'll talk about it a little bit more when we open up this conversation. But just sports are what they are because the people within them. Mm -hmm. Anybody Anybody can throw a ball. Anybody can skate at their local rink. But when you get to... You get special people. You see people who put all that work in. And Chris Snow, like the vast majority of people, and like you had said in the cold open, the vast majority of people in the sports world are not doing it because they are famous. They are doing it. They're not doing it for a ton of money. They are doing it because they love it. The sports world is built on thousands, if not millions of people who do a lot of work, 
for not enough compensation because they love it because they feel like this gives them meaning that sports is something more to them than just entertainment, that it's an, an, an essential component of their existence. And it's people like Chris Snow, who was a sports writer who was on the Red Sox beat at the Boston globe mm-hmm. and got a call from the Minnesota wild and asked if he would like to run their hockey information department kind of out of the blue. And as somebody who was just a, a hockey fan, not somebody who'd ever worked in hockey before he was really intrigued by it. And he took the risk where he got that job covering the Red Sox on the Red Sox beat for the Boston globe as a 24 year old, which is unheard of. That Absolutely. unheard. That does not happen for the Tampa Bay Rays, you know, in a small market team with one new, newspaper in Boston with multiple publications with the Red Sox who in at that point in 2007 had won two World Series in a four-year window one of the most if not the most compelling stories in all of professional baseball and here's a kid two years out of college on the beat covering one of the most important teams and that just goes to show you what words can do for people if they're willing to give themselves to it and the, that's the thing the vast majority of people opportunities like that never even come they never even get in the door but you feel as a sports person that every now and then when you see somebody who gets an opportunity like that okay that maybe not everything is awful with the world yeah yeah there's definitely uh been times i would say even within like the last three to five years when you know some recent grads that like i know through twitter or just real life stuff like they'll post you know this amazing job opportunity that they've accepted and and it's like I'm so glad that it went to a good decent human being and someone that's actually worked for it and and that is so passionate about the work that they do and I feel like even towards the end yes Chris Snow took like a lesser role but he was still heavily involved with the organization yeah no i I was reading a feature today about how the flames remodeled his entire office so he could stay and work longer where because of the way his face was paralyzed he had to be able to lay backwards to be able to talk for long periods of time otherwise he wouldn't be able to so they got a couch at an angle where he could lay down they got I want to call it like an arm attachment to the couch. So he'd have a laptop he could pull over in front of him. So this is, that is the light, the life's blood of professional sports are the people like that, who in spite of everything else, it would have been very easy. Like I, I Brad tree living told him, don't worry about hockey. We'll, we'll take care of everything. Don't worry about it. And, and Chris very clearly said, I don't want to stop working. If I don't stop working, what's the point? It speaks to his resilience his perseverance. And I mean, there, we are so lucky to live in a time where science and medicine have advanced to what they are. And not just him, but probably a few hundred other people have been able to partake in these uh, clinical trials for ALS meds. And um, his wife credits um, that trial to being the biggest factor in why he's able to you know, unfortunately, up until yesterday or the day before, um, he's still here. And I'm sure that those extra extra days really counted, especially with the kids. Exactly. That That's really something that you kind of just struggle to grapple with as a normal person to read. Mm-hmm. 
to read, you know, your kids don't really have a conscious memory until they're five, six years old. Right. And the vast majority of his kid's life, they've known him as somebody with a disability. And he hasn't gotten to do everything he would have wanted to do. I, I There was a picture in one of the features of him playing ball hockey in the basement with them where he just stands in the net and they shoot at him so he can do something with them. And it was the most heartwarming thing. And it's you all you want in the sports world is for good people to get these opportunities. And it's so, it just feels so defeating when something like this happens to somebody who's so clearly put in every fiber of their existence to the sport. Absolutely. I couldn't have said it better myself. And coming up next, um, we are going to talk more about the good people in the sport and how that just the subculture of sports fans has, makes such a giant impact. But before we do that, I do want to take a quick second here and talk to you about DoorDash. If you love the convenience of getting what you want right to your door, DoorDash is perfect for you. They have grocery delivery as well as food delivery, and you can stock up for the week or just grab that quick lunch at the office and last minute cravings. It's wonderful. I actually used DoorDash today at lunch. Um, I got some French onion soup from the 99. So shout out to DoorDash. Um, with thousands of grocery stores and restaurants to choose from, you will find the best in your neighborhood and boost your local economy with each and every order. With easy substitutions right in the app and best-in-class customer support, DoorDash delivers exactly what you need, how you want it. So you can get 50% off of your first DoorDash order up to twenty up to a $20 value when you use code LOCKED at checkout. That's a limited time offer, terms apply. And that's 50% up to $20 off, no minimum subtotal, and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and use code LOCKED. Don't forget, that's code LOCKED for 50% off of your first order with DoorDash. Thanks everyone for hanging out with us today as we get to some eventual good news. It's not all bad, but I I have to say, both of us come from like big markets, New York and Boston, and we've seen the scum of the earth within fan bases i cannot get over how kind calgary fans are and just how welcoming they were when i started the show if i ever had questions and that's really great and nice to have especially when you see all the vitriol that's why I can't quit hockey. As frustrating as this sport is, as bad as the people running this league are, as bad as some of the people within this league are, the community is second to none in terms of support in times of trouble for anyone involved. You think about some of these types of events where just the saddest thing you could possibly imagine, and the community bands together. They support those in need best they can. And we try not to move on, but to be able to make peace with. That's really, that's the type of mindset you have to have with these types of major life events, especially the type that are upsetting and traumatic like this. Right. Is you don't ever come to terms with it. It's not something you can just kind of understand and grapple with. You have right. you have good days and you have bad days. But 
the good people within the sport are the reason you can't you can't give it up. Yeah, and I think of like all the great people that I've met. I mean, through Twitter and how important it was for me, like last November when I lost a very close friend that I met through hockey Twitter, we all came together and unfortunately had to grieve Meg. And that sense of community makes you feel so much less alone in like the worst of times. And I think that that's such a beautiful thing. Because at the end of the day, like you said, this is all about men on knives. It's entertainment. And that's that's where the human element comes in, is that they are just men on knife shoes trying to hit a piece of rubber into a net. But it's the people you meet in the process of that playing out that make it, whether it's people you interact with online, people you meet at games, people Mm -hmm. you meet out who say, oh, you like that team when they see you wearing the hat or the sweatshirt or the t-shirt, what have you. The community within hockey is so, there are no casual hockey fans. There are very, I won't say there are very, there aren't any. There are very few casual hockey fans. For the most part, you interact with somebody who likes hockey. You are dealing with somebody who likes the sport on more than just a casual level, who watches a lot, who's engaged with the content, with the news, who knows, who has a good idea of what's going on. There aren't a lot of casual hockey fans who check in once every few weeks on their team right. because something about this sport is so exhilarating that you're constantly chasing that rush of hockey when it's at its best. And that's why you watch those games against the bad teams in the middle of February when it feels like you're never going to get to the playoffs because any given night you might see something crazy. You might meet somebody really interesting. And mm-hmm. it's really hockey's ability to find that little bit more the wow i never thought i would see that happen or i didn't know that could happen that's why you can't give it up it's great because it's not predictable you know that you can get on reddit and talk about your favorite tv shows and you know those write themselves half the time but sports don't do that you might go out there and watch a team completely crap all over the ice and it's like probably against a really bad team and that's fun when you're at the bad team that wins but it's just it's an emotional roller coaster and we just put ourselves through it and can't quit sports are what they are because of the emotions people put into them if you didn't have the the fer- the fervent passion about these teams and these games it wouldn't mean anything they they wouldn't be getting these millions of dollar contracts they get those contracts because people watch the games because they feel something and that's the that's that's what's hard to put into words sometimes when you're trying to grapple with major events like like this and at some point we will play hockey the flames do need to do something in chris's honor what that is i don't know we don't know yet we know that something will be done that mm-hmm. that goes without saying the flames have been pretty open about his struggles and his battles with ALS. And he's been very, he what has been very open with his battle and not, and I'm trying to, and it's not like in a visibility way where it's, he's constantly everywhere, but every now and then, you know, just, uh, I'm still here. I'm doing my job. I love doing my job. I wouldn't give this up for the world. I want to support my family. Those little check-ins to just let you know, everything was going to be okay. 
for now. Mm -hmm. And it just, it's really, it's really just, it really feels like you wish you could say something beyond this sucks and hockey will figure out a way to remember him. But that's really all there is. This, this is, you know, the eternal question where human, human humanity has yet to figure out how to grapple with death beyond a surface level concept. I mean, this, this is the essence of existence. You come down to it. Eventually everybody has to die. Not everybody grapples with it in the same way, but trying to find what works for you. That's the real challenge. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, going back to the little check-ins he would do, it was reassuring and just like a nice wave of positivity and just kind of like this is fantastic news like he's still here and again he gets to live his life with his family and contributions were to the flames that those are fantastic too and i hope that the flames do something like a scholarship fund or they make a donation to like the ALS foundation or something and maybe put his name in the rafters or something. I don't know, but it's what he deserves. And if there's an organization that will do it right, I would bet money on Calgary. Yeah, no. And we'll wrap up on this note. Uh, He developed the entire information systems. When he got to Calgary, he was the person who designed and hired the people who designed the information systems for everything in the organization. They developed the language that they were going to use to define everything because we're talking about large, enormous databases of players, events Mm -hmm. within games, all of those types of things. A website to host all of that information, putting that website in the language for all of that information into a system that would be that would be functional enough that both the data analysis people who have math degrees can use and the players can go and use and trying to find. So uh, the, the impact somebody in that type of role has, and it's why we talked about what we did in the first segment about it's the people that make the game. It is the data analysis people. It is the equipment manager people that keep every, that keep everything else moving. Those people behind the scenes at every level of every sport Those are the people that make the sports world work. It is not just the athletes. It is not just the coach, the GM. There Mm -hmm. are hundreds and thousands of support staff people at every level of every organization that keep the lights on. Absolutely. And coming up next, we are going to wrap it up with some, there's just some more news that we just might want to talk about. Stick around. Thanks, everyone, for hanging out with us today on Locked on Flames. Make sure you're subscribed wherever you get your podcasts and YouTube as well. Well, it's been quite the day. Michael Backlund signed a contract extension. Yes, he did. And they named him captain. And while you were talking, I saw the picture of him, his wife, his kids all wearing the jerseys at the press conference. I'm pretty sure Sportsnet's got the availability live up right now. And it's step one. Uh, Two years, I think that's the right number. I think three years would have been a step too long. I think Mm -hmm. it gives the opportunity where if this season doesn't go as planned, they can still turn him into something after next year. But you're operating under the assumption because they gave him the C, he'll be here those two years, and then they'll reassess two years from now. But this tells you that they're they're trying to be competitive. 
this tells you that more likely than not, they are going to try and get Lindholm done. If they trade Hannafin, they're going to try and get players that can play right away and go from there. That That's exactly what this tells you. And you feel good about it. Mm-hmm. Backlund has been with the organization forever. This is somebody that the rest of the team clearly values their hit values, his presence, his leadership, his character, somebody who went to bat for them with the coach that they all disliked last year on more than one occasion, which that, that goes a long way when you have the annoying coach and you have a guy who's willing to call them on it. That, that goes a long way in fostering trust with the rest of the guys on the team that, okay, if he's willing to do that get with the coach, the guy who's in charge, all of us, he's got my back no matter what. And there are some guys who, who get a captaincy and you're like, I don't really see it. Or they're doing that because he's the best player on the team. And yeah, to some degree, you do need your captain to be a functional hockey player. If you're in a situation like the Devils where they had Bryce Salvador at the end of his career as the captain or the Blue Jackets with Felino for those years, like the useful hockey players. But to some degree, you need a player who's going to be able to not only lead with their personality and by character, they do need to eventually be able to make a hockey play. They have to be able to lead by example where they need to make a tangible play, not just a big hit, not instigate a fight. Uh, Okay, we're getting we're kind of getting our doors blown off here. We need to settle this game down. Let's dump it in. Let's go to work for 45 seconds. Let's bring the temperature down. Let's move our feet and let's reestablish ourselves in this game. That is something you know Backlund's going to do at a very high level, something that him, Coleman, and uh, Mangiapane did at an absurdly high level last year where anytime they were on the ice, they would control the puck for 45 seconds to a minute and a half, come off and worry about it once they got back out there. But you feel you feel happy for Michael Backlund. He deserves this. There's not really a question of that. Based on what you've heard from people on the team, you don't think this will lead to any animosity where somebody feels like, oh, I should have been captain. Because they've right. all said, being captain is not just one guy. Being captain is everybody has to work off of a leader and we're all, we all have responsibilities to uphold to make that person's life easier. You know, no captain wants to be the teacher wherever, where they got to corral everybody you want a captain who's there to set the tone lead by example make some plays and then organize things if that's your prerogative if you're that type of captain who likes to organize the team dinner or the vacations or whatever that's great and all but you don't have to do that level of stuff but at surface level backland checks all the boxes the contract isn't cost prohibitive you don't feel like he's just going to magically stop being able to play the way he's played the last couple of years because his game is so simple he he the, the only real worry is he gets slower. And even if he gets slower, he's already pretty slow to begin with. So it's not like it's an issue there. What's so important to remember here is he's still like a pretty impactful player. It's not like oh, yeah. you're re-signing Luch, who's like around the same age to that contract. You're signing Michael Backlund. Two exactly. years. Four and a half million dollars. That's that's fine. It's team friendly. It is deserved. It's nothing that, you know, I look at and I'm like, mm, that, that's a little egregious. Three years, if we were looking at that, like originally put out earlier this morning. Yeah, then we'd be talking a very different story. But I think two years is we've been talking about this team in two to three years spurts and what their window is. So like, yes. This was just the right move to make. And if the $10 million figure for Elias Lindholm happens, that, then we're just going to have a whole another conversation. But congrats to Backland. Deserved. Well, 
well-deserved, and especially after last season. If you wanted to give it somebody who was a little bit younger, who you felt like was going to be on the team for a significantly longer period of time, I mean, we just saw this play out with the Bruins, where there was a lot of conjecture that it'd probably be McAvoy because he's going to be on the team for the next decade. But Marshawn is still a high-level hockey player. He's going to be on the team for another couple seasons. You keep your continuity of your organization, you keep your institutional knowledge, and you keep passing that down. That's really one of the important components of having good leadership is that institutional knowledge that comes from being around a long time, being able to pass that down to younger players so that they're not figuring it out on their own, that they kind of have something to fall back on. It's just nice. It's good that they have a defined leadership group and they have someone that will 100% go to bat for them. Uh, not just because he's a good person, but because he's the captain. And yeah, I mean, I guess we got to end it on a negative note. Yeah. Unfortunately. That's the thing that sucks about preseason, man. You have guys who are definitely going to be on the team out there on the ice against guys who have 40 career NHL games who are probably going to be in the AHL. And that's not to say that play happens because that guy's trying to, you know, get noticed and make a play, but preseason hockey for all intents and purposes, unless you're one of the five guys fighting for that one spot, it's an utter waste of time. Most people are playing at three quarters or half speed. All you're doing is risking injury. You're hoping shoulder surgery three months realistically two to three months more than likely Peltier comes back early January and by then you don't know if there's going to be a role for him because someone may have solidified themselves because this it's not that Peltier is on the fence it's just that they didn't really have a spot for him in the top nine and he was kind of tentatively penciled into that fourth line left wing spot but now Mm -hmm. you're going to have somebody else who's going to play in that role and let's be frank, Peltier doesn't have the skill set to play on the fourth line. He's somebody who should be in your top nine. So that's something else they have to figure out is when he comes back, what type of role are they going to ease, try and ease him into? Because, you know, he, he brought a little bit of that excitement and ha- joy to a team that lacked it last year. The stuff with him and Huberto is very adorable that following him around. Oh, wait, no, you can't do it without me. Blah, blah, blah. You hope he's better soon. More Hope he's back sooner than January because you liked what you saw in the glimpses he played last year. Mm -hmm. And it's just unfortunate. Yeah. And I just, I feel like the kid can't catch a break. No, it sucks, man. It's, it's so hard to watch too. Cause you're just like, you're rooting for all of these young guys, but especially one that was with the team last year and saw the unfortunate uh, wrath of Sutter and, his comment about why he changed his number was so like, you're funny. I'm glad, yeah. you know, I'm glad you see humor in this because someone has to. Yeah. But, you know, I think I am hoping that while he's recovering, he's able to be around the team, at least in some capacity, obviously not practicing, but once he's somewhat healed, just, Go hang out with the boy. I think that does it for today. Thank you, everyone, for sticking around. Uh, hug your people. Call your parents or whoever. Just take a second to appreciate what's around you and who's around you. But that'll do it. So thank you for tuning into today's episode of Lockdown Flames. Make sure you are subscribed wherever you're getting your podcasts, as well as YouTube. A five-star rating would be nice, as well as a positive review. 
So do that on the Apple Podcast app, and I will see you tomorrow, and hopefully we will have some better Flames news to talk about.